and welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast. This week, of course, as always, we are, uh, as always, once a week, not twice a week, which always would be twice a week. We are doing our history of somebody in those some decades. This week, we are finishing up Iron Maiden in the 80s. Of course, this is Nick Cameron and Legs Akimbo Chakas of Ghost Cult Magazine. Legs Akimbo. Hang on, Yo. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You don't get to talk yet. Did you hear that? I did. This is uh, the Trooper beer that I have held on to for a really long time for me, three days. But it's not, it's not just the Trooper beer, it's the brand new Trooper IPA. Yes, we finally, finally have the Trooper IPA in St. Louis, and I have held on to this bottle for an exceedingly long time for a beer that I've wanted to try for a very long time. Uh, and I poured it badly, so go ahead, go ahead, Keithy. I also have a beer. I am drinking my Deftones Ceremony beer from Belch and Beaver. My my Deftones shipment came last week after people we had that drink rock star, People that drink rock band beers are weird. We are weird. Uh, again, if I could only get that Mastodon beer delivered to California. Oh my God, this Delicious. smells delightful. Hazy IPA. Tell, tell me about this flavor profile. I don't love the Made in Trooper beer. Did I just say that? I don't love it. I don't it's a little it either. I like rocky and dark for my personal palate. It, that is ales and ambers. Uh, see here, <clears throat> personally, I find the trooper to be a little bit bland for my tastes. It is an English beer, and English beers and American beers are very different because America, you know, on a scale of one to America, there's no such thing as scale of one to England. It's more like one to four, which is England, and the English IPAs tend to have a much much softer hop profile than the American IPAs. It looks beautiful, though. Wow. Oh, it's a gorgeous <clears throat> color. It's a good amber color. That's nah, all right. Does it compare to anything I would have had? And I could be like, oh, maybe I would like that. Uh, it tastes a little bit like uh, perhaps Bell's Too Hearted. Uh, I would say it compares well to uh, Great Divide's Mercenary. Um, Lagunitas Brewing, a little something, something. Yes, I like yes. them. The Lagunitas IPAs. This Lagunitas, is this, whatever. This is similar to the Lagunitas something, something male. Okay. And are you familiar? Just really quick, one last beer note. Uh, no pun intended. Former are you familiar? Are you right? Are you familiar with the six most metal breweries? That collaboration of brands. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I'm interested now. They usually collab to sponsor or co-sponsor the Decibel Metal and Beer Fest and a bunch of other brewers as well. Also meaderies, because that's a thing, because metalheads like to drink mead. mead <laughs> oh, mead. They like meaderies, places that make mead, I guess. Because um, metalheads like, especially Viking metal bands, to have a mead. Um, <clears throat> Enslaved did once. So... Uh, that's all. Just look them up. You might you might like what you find. find now, what you and like. going to, to to Viking metal bands, I saw with the last time I saw Amon Amarth, uh, Captain Amon Amarth, because I don't know anybody's names in Death Metal. Because I don't think you need Johan, Captain Amon Amarth. I'm sorry. The the metal band, the Death Metal bands, they change members so much. Not that band, except the drummer. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, he he pulled out a horn. He drinks from his mead, his horn. And he said he said he was drinking Schlafly, so I choose to believe him. And he said it was good, um, and it is good. Dark so. Tranquility, which is a band I deeply love. The, the those guys will tell you. I've interviewed Michael the singer, <laughs> and he will tell you they go on tours in America 
specifically route the tour where the craft beer places are. Yeah, that's how you should that's, do. That's you know, what whenever, they do. Like, whenever, we love I, the fans, but really we're here for the beer. Hey, you can be there for two things. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh silver side up. Who, who, whose album was that? Was that Nickelback? I'm going to pretend you didn't mention Nickelback during an Iron Maiden podcast. We haven't and go on got, with my life. We haven't gotten Iron Maiden yet. And you know what? I kind of dig Nickelback a little bit. So I would like to good. interview Chad. He's a huge metalhead. And I think he's vastly misunderstood. The band is not good, but he's vastly misunderstood. The yeah, band is, they're, they're a modern rock band that has a few catchy tracks. And there you go. It's not all it, terrible. It's, it's kind of like great. the Ario Speedwagon of rock. Hard yes. Hard rock. Like yes, literally, further way. Throw better away. Than, they're throw way better away. than Ario Speedwagon because they have four good songs. Nickelback has four good songs. I don't know that Ario's gotten to that number. I know they have one. I mean, they have something like ten top ten hits. They have to have more than four. But I don't look, know. I don't know the name of the song, but they have a song about I've seen women cross their legs before they sit down at the table uh similar lyrics to nickelback basically yes and Gross similar and lyrics creepy. to jeff lynn's do ya also covered by the man the myth the legend hero the millions ace fraley yeah it, but except that the reo version is just it's just it's just dog shit wrapped in cow patties i mean it's just the worst song in case Goodness. she has not learned it's actually worse than Billy Squire's Stroke It. The Stroke is a terrible song. That is it The love. Stroke? Okay. You know, if there's anything He's a I... very good guitar player and not a bad singer. And the fa- they tried to, so hard to make him into like, they were like, did you see what Frampton did in the 70s in the UK? Look at what we can do with this guy. It was a mistake. Yeah, there's, you know, I'm going to quote Litterkenny on this and I'll leave Billy Squire alone. Uh, there's such a thing as too much horn talk and a fellow ought to know. Indeed. Um, so obviously Iron Maiden and you also well really quick you also mentioned Kiss and I just want to shout out I feel terrible that Paul just got over COVID and now Gene has the COVID and these are two world class germaphobe dudes who don't you know like I'm deeply sad that they have it I'm rooting for them to beat it uh, Paul is okay, over it okay. most more or less we, Gene still has it we, we should talk about it okay that's fair um, Paul said originally he was asymptomatic it came out that he had mild symptoms which quote unquote kicked his ass. Um, they are, yes, they are world-class Donald Trump level germaphobes, but they still held meet and greets. They held meet and greets behind plexiglass and Shouldn't plexiglass actually makes it worse. Probably because the germs can stay on the glass and then they probably reuse the glass because the glass comes with them on the tour. And Oh, they- I was assuming it was actually just the glass in the arenas. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing that Kiss is like Metallica and it's made of their self-contained everything. Could be, but but it it came out that actually being behind plexiglass does not protect you from COVID. It actually makes it worse for you because it can't can't ventilate and escape. But Paul is is over it. He, it, it sucked for him. He is okay. I am thankful for that. He, you know, Paul Stanley, though the youngest member of the original Kiss members, is not young. And neither of them are young guys, and you don't want them getting this fucking thing. Correct. And hopefully, you know, if nothing, you know, I don't have a problem with touring because I think it's, you know, a tour is safe enough, especially at their level, in an arena, in a shed, you've got, you know, if you're in an arena, you've got the hockey ventilation. If you are in a shed, you've got the Mother Nature ventilation. That's one thing. But come on, guys, don't do the meet and greets. 
Um, I will also just really quick mention that I went to my third show back uh, Saturday, which was Amigo the Devil, Tejon, Street Corner Thieves, and Christine Lambring. And uh, kind of a Americana folk country kind of show with a lot of metalheads there. And because uh, uh, Amigo in particular has a crossover to like rock and metal people, because he himself is a rocker and a metalhead. Uh, a several circle pits broke out during <laughs> Tejon Street Corner Thieves, who have a banjo and a washboard and whatever. As you um, was a good show. Actually, this is an amazing, has to, this story has to get told. Tejon Street Corner Thieves are basically the Andrew WK of this scene. They party, they party and party. And they were so wrecked at the show before the one I saw that their washboard guy lost his washboard and ended up in another town without it. And he is integral to their sound. So what do you do when you have no washboard? You need a washboard in Berkeley, California. You go to the store. You can't get one at a store. You staple or nail a fucking hi-hat symbol to your skateboard put a string around your neck with the skateboard and play the skateboard and he it was incredible okay because we have just gone so far off the rails i'm gonna just keep going because i have relevant information to this conversation go for yours one are you familiar with sulfur city i've heard the name i actually used them as a as the the intro music last week for the department of metal antiquities um, because i just you know throw on whatever's on my turntable because it's funny uh the lead singer laurie paradis plays an electric washboard. I did not know such a thing existed. Nor did I, but she does it. Uh, and then going to the skateboard, are you familiar with White Trash Blues Revival? Yes. All right. Uh, are you aware the guitar player does not play a guitar, but plays a skateboard with a pickup? That's incredible, but I didn't know that, yes. Okay, uh, they showed I... up on my playlist for Amigo. So like, yeah. anybody who's not familiar with Danny Caranos, AKA Amigo the Devil, if you love great songwriting, if you love dark humor, if you love serial murder and potentially fantasies about killing your spouse or not killing your spouse or killing someone for your spouse, oh my check God. out his music. His music um, is incredible. It's deep. People were riotously okay. enjoying the show. You shouldn't I'm be a, uncomfortable. As I'm, a, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable right now. Well, then you may so have let's some move, deep let's issues. Let's Iron on. Maiden episode four, everybody. Let's deep. do it. The final Iron Maiden episode in our quadrilogy of Iron Maiden episodes. Uh, you know, it's been a journey. This is, if you threw away these albums and they never made another album, they have the greatest opening to a career, arguably, of any band ever in music history. Um, I, I would agree with that because, you know, they weren't like Pink Floyd who had a great middle run. They weren't like Kiss who never had a great run of records. I love Kiss. Kiss is my favorite band. Kiss is great. Runner Records, though, is like that last five years of the seventies. But I know what you mean. You're not wrong. Not even no. They're not even then. Maybe we'll have to do Kiss. I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm look. I will fight that so hard every day. So. All right, we're gonna have a lot of fights. Oh, that's fair. The Kiss um, great songs, not great records. Yeah, that's and fair. you know, th there's so few. Metallica did some. You know, Metallica didn't even go as many records in a row. That's what I was saying. Is Metallica four really has squiffy. the four or the five, and Maiden has the seven or eight in a row that are just unbelievable. And that's yeah. not also with a live album in there. I wasn't even counting the live album. And that true, live album true. is the best live album ever. So, like, yeah, it's mind-blowing what they were able to put down. Mind-blowing. Um, but here we are. We're at, we're at 1988. They did this, like, just to back up for a few seconds. 
you know, uh, power slave, we'll say in the middle point of our journey together, huge, huge multi-platinum success, two-year world tour, burnout, next record, still awesome, next record, a little less awesome, you start to get squiffy your language. A lot of keyboards, again, weird that may, the uh, priest is remembered for turbo. Hang on. I, I, okay. Thank you for bringing up the keyboards. Have you heard about the Polish wedding? What is this? I only, I learned this today. Uh, as I was boning up on this, I, I watched completely the wrong episode of the Iron Maiden documentary. <laughs> so uh, I watched the right one afterwards, but I mean, it, it's still okay. interesting. <laughs> so apparently in Warsaw, when they played the show in Warsaw, they got invited to a wedding. So they went to the wedding because why not? There's free booze. And at the wedding, they got convinced to jump up and take over for the wedding band. So there is video of Iron Maiden in 1986, 84, excuse me, 84, playing Smoke on the Water at a Polish wedding. I'm so, glad you brought up Smoke on the Water. Hang on, hang on. Because, hang on. I, yeah. I, I got to get to the synthesizer part. Okay. Then you can jump and kill me. But I got to get this out first. And so a, a guy walks up and goes, I want to, I like heavy metal. I want to play the heavy metal with synthesizer. And Bruce goes, no, you can't play heavy metal with synthesizers. And then they cut away. So He's a hypocrite. Um, he he, he mentioned it again later. He's like, okay, yes, you couldn't play heavy metal like we were doing at the time with synthesizers. Yes, you could. Um, <laughs> what <laughs> I'm going to say is I oh. think that this story is very relevant because one of my points in my notes is that they start Butsing around with covers at this point more than usual wasn't a good idea. They're not on the albums, but like I blame Bruce. Anyway, caught somewhere in time. But anyway, Seven <sighs> Son of the Seven Son comes along in '88 after Somewhere in Time, which is again amazing, amazing for for a record that's starting to get a little eh, okay. Still has. My two of my favorite songs and tremendous album, basically, even with a couple of ass songs. So they do somewhere in time. We're and again, a lot on this record, apparently. We might. Well, I think so. I'm sorry, Seventh Son. Uh, again, another concept record based on a book. But I this guess. time, this time, the way Bruce described it was we did a concept record and we didn't throw a song about dogs on there for no reason. We actually stayed faithful to the concept and they did. Although, and they also pointed out that this album was a much bigger hit in Europe than it was in America. That is totally true. Because I think also, like several factors, first of all, Death Leopard was clogging the charts. You could not. Oh, completely. There was no record beyond Hysteria in 1987 and 88. No, no. Um, Except for me and Injustice for All. And, uh, you know, in my personal life. And and maybe uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason. But, but um, the thing, I think a big part of it is the, the folklore of a seventh son of a seventh son is n- not in American parlance anywhere. No, so no. it's like, okay, what the hell are you talking about? It's a gypsy story. I come from gypsies, actually. And, uh, and I guess it's, again, I, I don't want to give any credit to the author uh, because he's an asshole. But basically the guy who did Ender's Game is the guy who wrote the Seventh Son book that mm. Bruce read that inspired him and Harris to do this album this way. Fine. Whatever. Good. Um, but And the cover makes no sense. 
The cover doesn't have has nothing to do with the album at all or anything else. But but it's wonderful. It is and wonderful. It's, it's a good cover. It but... looked great on the back of a jacket or a shirt. Okay, I'll give. It looks great on a twelve inch vinyl because that's that is how I uh, I rocked this one. A friend of mine gave me a copy she found in her basement that God only knows how long it had been there, and I gave it two whacks. Of spin, uh, I gave it two whacks with a spin cleaner, and it's the kind of record you would play to your friends that hate vinyl. Look at this. Nice. But, I remember hearing the first time I heard about this album was in eighth grade in music class. My friend Cliff was talking about this album and he was talking to another friend of mine, Ken, about the mythology of the seventh son of a seventh son. And I'm like, okay, one, I've never heard this Iron Maiden record. But at that time, that was contemporary. This was 1989. Right. 88 and 89. No, I'm talking about the conversation took place in 1989. So they're still touring this record. They're still pushing this record. And yet I had never heard of it. Okay. That's, you know, considering they were the, one of the biggest bands in the world. But, like, if you just didn't know, you just didn't know. Um, they, they were I one have of the feeling... biggest bands in the world, and this album did not get the penetration previous yeah. albums did. We just, as discussed, the 80s were a very crowded time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a feeling that Duncan would have been a good person on this Seven Sun thing. He probably has some inkling. Of folklore and stuff, well, but um, in the northern England, yeah, I could see that. Maybe, um, I assume he has sheep. He's never told me. I don't know. Um, Seven Sun stylistically is kind of follows somewhere in time. It's got the sense. It's got like some dramatic yes. songs. It's still kind of going, you know, like all directions. Not very, not unfocused, but not, you know, just try to be proggy, trying to be proggy maiden which Steve and Bruce love. Um, this is the final album with the mid-era classic lineup. Uh, I, I would just say classic lineup. I don't, yeah. That's fine. The, the classic is, lineup. Right now we are looking at, uh, what, five years? No, um, six years? Five, six years? Eight, eight by the time Adrian officially leaves, but okay, six so, or seven in terms of recordings, yeah. Right, so we'll call it eight years. We're, 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 we're polishing off the bottom of the ninth of the the run of the of the classic lineup and for a band that had their first four records had a different lineup and then they stabilize for the next four or five right this album debuted at number one as their last bunch had debuted at number one pre-sold at number one like again that was a feat back then to sell physical records CDs were just becoming a thing, so it was all cassettes and vinyl mostly. And at that time, you couldn't. It, you, there weren't pre-orders. You know, like there right no now, pre-ordering an album other than record stores. That is correct. As we as we as we talk about this right now, it is Tuesday, August thirty first. In three days, my copy of Senjutsu is going to arrive on my door. I ordered it weeks ago. I got an Amazon shipping update. It is going to be here on the fifth. So I am excited, and I apologize. I know you sent me a link to the review. I did not read it because I, I didn't know if you wanted to read it, but I said I, it to I, you. I don't. I don't. And I will. I will say this: my very esteemed writer at Ghost Cult Magazine, who works under my auspices, Gary Alcock from London, ish, UK, outside of London, he is as good a reviewer as I have on the team, and he loves Maiden. But also, he's not afraid to call out bullshit. And that's one of the things I love about him. If a band he likes flubs, he'll call it out. 
and he raved about this record. That's all I, I will say. He, I've heard two songs so far, and I loved one and liked the other. Yeah, that's well. I would say that the rest of the album, from the sound of the room, I did it. I did it. Go ahead, you can talk. I'm not listening. Hang on, hang on. Well, you can, I don't want you. To, I don't want you to hear it back. It's fine. Give me a thumbs I'll up. Say that it, I'll say that it's my better than bad. It's better than bad. It's good. It's hard and heavy as wood. It's I'm getting log. a beer. It's log. It's log. Uh, any Red and Stimpy fans here? I don't know. Um, well, while Nick goes to get a beer because I drove him away with my pre-Iron Maiden talk, which by the time this episode comes out, he will have heard the album. Um, Nick is back, and I'm done talking about. I have no Iron idea Maiden what you spoilers. just said. I, I literally pulled my. By the time off. this airs, and you actually listen back to it, you will have heard the album. Yeah, yeah, completely. But I realized it's going to come on Friday, and Duncan and I are doing another Pink Floyd twofer this weekend. Oh. Uh, Jealous. And that Pink Floyd twofer is being recorded at 9.30 in the fucking morning on Saturday because this is a busy weekend. So I am not going to be able to sit down with Senjutsu till probably Sunday. You check in with me and tell me what you think. I will. I, I will. And I'm, I'm going to hear it by midnight on Friday for sure. I, I am. <laughs> I way home from Megadeth in Concord, California. I am definitely going to need that after what sun, after Sunday. We have a uh, celebration of life <clears throat> ceremony on Sunday. So yes. I'm going to need a couple of beers and uh, a nice triple LP. Right. Is this for your, your late father-in-law? No, that one has not come up yet, but I'm going to be the MC for that one. So I'm working on my bits. Um, but anyway, moving All right. on. <laughs> moving right along, as Scooter from the Muppet says, shall we, unless you have some general thoughts about Seven Sun, we can go into the track by track. It's up to you. You know, the the thing about Seven Sun is I just, and I know I already said this, and I'm, I'm probably, I'm retreading here. I just want to, exp- you know, for the people who listen to this podcast, and we do get people from other parts of the country, or other parts of the world, excuse me, the lack of penetration in America is really surprising at how how unpenetrated we were. Also, wanna, uh, we didn't talk about uh, Can I Play With Madness, the video, which featured Graham motherfucking Chapman when he was dying no less he was dying of throat cancer at the time he still did the video was absolutely amazing one of uh one of graham's last last performances fascinating um yeah it's 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 wild the direction this record took it is how it is disjointed it is a little bit whoa disagree um hard disagree uh can I play with madness is the first single and does kind of sum up the album Complete, uh, you as know, it well does. as the clairvoyant, which the clairvoyant, well, the clairvoyant actually is the first song Steve wrote. Right. And he decided from after re- after writing that particular song, Oh, let's do a concept record based on the seventh son of the seventh son folklore, which apparently that person is supposed to have clairvoyance. He tells Bruce right. and Bruce goes, Oh, hell yeah, bitch. And I just, love the concept record. Let's go. And writes about a million things. He also apparently possibly used the material that was rejected from, from Somewhere in Time. When Somewhere in Time shows up, he comes up with this acoustic, you know, folky kind of proggy stuff. And they're all like, and then all of a sudden, you know, here we go. Let's, let's get them Gretsch acoustics out and let's, let's just do this. 
I guess I should say Martin, but you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it was, I, you know, I remember hearing this in, in school and I was like, I like this a little less than the others. Again, the previous record has bangers on it that I love and worship. This record, you know, overall is good. I think some of it in parts, it's great. Like a lot of rec main records, it's great in parts. The whole thing is not great like the early stuff where the whole thing was mostly great. But I disagree. Well, that's fine. You're going to have to shout me out on these then. Shall we I do will. the track by track? Now, before Fight we get going out. too far on the track by track, let me say this. As this is a concept record and as I am sexually excited by concept records. Uh, yes, I am. I am. And uh, it's hard for me to take it as bit and bit. I would say this album is an absolute 10 of 10 for me. Okay. And possibly my favorite. <clears throat> All right. But uh, so it's difficult for me to take it as songs and not chunks of a whole. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I would have put somewhere, I would personally have somewhere in time ahead of this. And this would be lower down in the classic Bruce records, except for the next couple. We are but, enemies uh, now. We can't be enemies. We're better. Um, Go ahead. Take us out. Yeah, number one in the U.S. and number twelve, uh, number twelve in the U.S., number one in the U.K. album charts. And for any and, uh, foreign listeners, there's a reason why you want number one in the U.S. over anything else. Well, more record sales. Correct. And that's also why we only care about our stuff. <laughs> that's fair. Um, who cares about accolades? We care about the art. True. Um. Any other thoughts or feelings before we go into this thing? No, I think I'm good finally. Maybe not. All right. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything else. Uh, the album begins on side one with Moonchild, a fantastic song of Smith Dickinson. Agreed. It's uh that is a that is a song I'm surprised that did not achieve like trooper like status not you know being you know the recognizable iron maiden track but the kind of song that is not out of the set list in uh flight 666 <clears throat> adrian discusses you know i can't wait to get down to rehearsal to find out what songs we're going to play well of course we're going to play the trooper and number the beast but what else and i'm surprised that moonchild did not become one of those songs I would say it's better than Can I Play With Madness, which did get that. It's true. It is a better song. Uh, Infinite Dreams is next a solid song that later was a single during Made in England um, live, but like this album version's good. I don't think it's great, but it's good. I Steve Harris I, composition. I can't place this one. And I listened okay. to it today and I, 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 can't, I can't place it. Yeah, it's, it's not remarkable for Maiden. It's it's a lot of the a lot of this album that it's not the big singles, it's not the big remember all kind of stuff. It fades into the song before it. So to me, it does it doesn't get out of Moonchild's shadow. Yes, that's accurate. Uh Nick is already on beer number two, so I have definitely we have definitely squirreled away from our goals of making this a, a snappy, happy episode. But uh, what's your ah. second beer? Uh, this is uh, Winter 
Brewing Co's Detour IPA. I love me right. a fucking hoppy as hell IPA. The 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 Trooper IPA is only a four point three percent IPA, which is you know English ABV. All right. This uh, then number three on side one. Can I play with madness? You can. It is a classic song, a great song. Agreed. Still played live. Fantastic, fantastic song. I, I think the the acapella the acapella intro is what really put that into the live canon. Because I can't think of another Iron Maiden song that does that. And when you have, you know, Adrian can sing as we learned on Wasted Years later on, you know, twenty years later. And I, I think that is an amazing, just thunderous <clears throat> kind of vocal melody, which is very Iron Maiden, because Iron Maiden is all about the harmony. And, you know, it, it, before Yannick, before Panic Yannick was part of the band, it was three-part harmony. Uh, I'm sorry, Panic Yannick is actually a hockey player, not not Yannick Gers. Uh, I forget Panic Yannick's real last name, but I'm sticking with it. So Panic okay. Yannick. Uh, that nickname would be the funniest thing about him in the last 20 years. Anyway... Look, I Continue. like you. We're going to have that Yannick Gears discussion this episode. Do you know what his father's staff. name is? I have no clue. It is Bolslaw. That's a very cool name. My father's I, name I, is I, I, I stared at I looked at that and I stared at it for five minutes going, no. Really? Apparently it's Polish. Anyway, sorry. Indeed. Uh, so Smith Dickinson Harris on the composition of Can I Play With Madness, a classic. We'll just call it a classic as completely you know low, lower on the tier than the ultimate classics but still an 80s jam and uh continuing to dominate this side one is smith with another smith dickinson harris the evil that men do another banger that one i am actually uh, i forget that that this one is on seventh son it sounds more like the the top tier stuff from the 90s it's, it, it feels to me closer to no prayer. Uh, it, it, I'm actually shocked it's not on Fear of the Dark. Um, I would say as a vocalist and a former vocalist, a retired singer, what I love about this song is the vocals are incredible. Uh, a definite banger performance from Bruce, an album, you know, his definitely it is one of his pinnacles here vocally on this album. And he's got these incredible operatic cadences and, and motifs and themes that he just sails through effortlessly somehow. And it's, uh, it's yeah, just, what a good side, what a side one this is, by the way. This would compare with the best side ones in Maiden's whole career, actually. Side ones, yes. I think Maiden is actually a, more of a side two band. Well, number of the beast will speaking, do that too. But that's, it, it should be mentioned that on the album before this one, somewhere in time, Bruce described himself as fried uh, going into the sessions. Steve right. Harris described <clears throat> him as fit for the funny farm. And basically, Bruce was a non-entity in terms of creation on the previous record. And he comes in on this one and turns in probably his best vocal performances of his career in Iron Maiden up to this point. Actually, no, I would say the best. I, I don't think he ever improved on this. That's, that's high praise. It's high praise. Uh, would you like to do the honors of side two? Side two starts off with uh, the title track, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, completely written by Steve motherfucking Harris. 
and it's nine nine minutes 52 seconds long because if uh if you thought to yourself oh iron maiden got shorter no they did not this one i think if this one was a shorter track if they've been able to trim the fat a little bit or carve it into two songs that this song would have made it also into the live canon that's i mean this this particular song was only really played on the original seventh sun tour and the seventh sun tour of 2013 which i was very thankful to actually see them on where they also played uh fear of the dark to give panic yannick a solo <laughs> I, I, I real quick real quick you you can't see this because it's not video but every now and again, I get Keefe to start cracking up and he's got to like keep it quiet. But I see this immense joy on his face and I it's know that funny. I'm doing the right thing. It's funny because I have the bone to pick with that guy. But anyway, uh, but it's still, it's incredible. Was Panic Yannick um, or Yannick Perot? It's Yannick Perot, I just remembered. Yannick Perot. No, I don't even know who Yannick Perot is. Panic Yannick Gers, Gers, uh doesn't play anymore. Anyway, Seven Sun is a it's great It's still song. real to me, damn it. Rick it's Flair very, it's, it's lengthy. It's lengthy at almost it 10 minutes lengthy. long. It could be shorter, but it's not a bad, as, as far as title shorter, tracks that... go, as far as progressive okay. Maiden tracks go, it's not bad. You just really spoke to the last 25 years of Iron Maiden's career. Sort of. It could be shorter. It could be shorter. Well, you let Steve alone to his own devices. You can do whatever the fuck he wants to and make these long ass songs. Um, yes, you're good. You're good to go next, sir. All right, next we got uh, the prophecy. I have no strong recollections of this one. Apparently, number two on either side. I just don't remember. I, 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 I I'm gonna blame that on the fact that each side starts off with a very strong classic song. And this is Dave Murray and Steve Harris. Dave Murray gets a writing credit song. Yeah, uh, his stuff is getting less and less impressive over time. I'm not sure why. He's wonderful. I love him, but like the writing stuff is not there. Steve, a lot of lead guitar players in, are like Ace Frehley or like David Gilmore. They are the amazing frosting on the cake, and they need somebody to mix that batter. I will disagree with you on the Gilmore thing. We've had this out on another podcast. We'll fight every day. I will fight fight every time. Uh, David Gilmore is the mortar that holds Pink Floyd together for eternity. Thank you. Good night. Mic drop. Anyway, I am not. Moving on to the next track, my friend. Go ahead. All right. Next track, we have The Clairvoyant, another track that made it into the Iron Maiden canon. So right now, this will be... I mean, spoiler alert, this is the last one that makes it into the canon. We have on Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, a record which Keefe mistakenly calls uh, a down note. We have Moonchild, Cannot Play With Madness. It's the just not a down note. It's just a down note compared to the last two. But yeah. Okay. The, the last one before this is like one of my least favorites. So I'm aware. Okay. So Moonchild, Cannot Play With Madness, The Evil That yeah. Men Do, Clairvoyant. I- We've yeah. got this got this album has eight tracks and four of them are in the canon. Are in the live Pretty good. canon. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh Clairvoyance, another Harris Jam. Clairvoyance is the song the Seventh Sun wishes it was, actually. And like it That's is a true. banger. It's such it, a it banger. Is. It's it so is. good live. They have done actually, I think, all four of those the last time I saw them which is, was the second leg of the 
Legacy of the Beast. Book of Souls, Legacy of the Beast. Book of, no, Book of, Book of Souls tour. Hang they on, play hang on. like stretch, stretch, stretch. Okay, uh, it's like it, it's like being playing pee wee baseball, and Nick is the coach. Go get it, get it out of the dirt, Keithy. Oh, he's got it with him. Um, get it out of the dirt, Keithy. It's like my old failings at third base as a lefty. It was fucking impossible. What the hell? And I'm I'm a lefty. And I, I, and I, I took I took off my headphones to grab the checklist because I couldn't be bothered to Google it. So I grabbed my my copy of Book of Souls on vinyl. And you're talking about left-handed baseball. Third, I'm, I'm lost. You'll hear it back and understand the context. I will. I listen to Co- the, I Coach listen to Coach Cameron. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, Book of Souls: If Eternity Should Fail, Speed of Light, Wrath Child, Children of the Dam, Death or Glory, The Red and the Black, The Trooper, Power Slave. The Great Unknown, The Book of Souls, Fear of the Dark, Iron Maid, Number of the Beast, Blood Brothers, Wasted Years. Uh, not one fucking song. Do I need to grab? Uh, do I need to grab Legacy? No. It's probably. Uh, no, I'm just saying I saw it live. Is what I'm saying, and uh, I've seen most of these live. So, um, Clairvoyant is great. I would take it any time in a concert. Agreed. Uh, should have been the last really song on the album. Song. A fantastic song. I would also uh, agree with that last statement because should have just should have just quit at, at seven when you have a ten minute song. Uh, so now we have and... only the good die young, which nah. uh, only the just... only the bad songs close outside too. Only the know. mediocre songs and the album, except for Iron Maiden in Iron Maiden's career. You know, almost every uh, no, 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 no. Let's 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 think about this for a second. Um, so you have Iron Maiden closes out Iron Maiden. Something closes out killers that I don't recall. Let's take a look here. Iron Maiden. I'm sorry. I type really heavy. I learned on a I learned on a legitimate typewriter because I'm old as balls. Uh, da, 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 on uh, Drifter. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, there's a lot of different versions. Uh, no, yeah, Drifter. I don't have any recollection of Drifter. Uh, well, only the good die young is just okay, and that's okay. Sometimes greatest bands have just okay songs. That that and, is correct. Uh, and let's but there see. are four legitimate, five legit, five of the eight songs on this album are fucking awesome. Yes, and and, and could stand against most great Iron Maiden songs, and that's you what know, you. Want. Even if you're looking at this as, you know, it's a little squiffy, as I like to say, where it's not, there, there's nothing really offensively bad on this record. I would make the argument there's three, two to three filler tracks. Uh, well, I think it's the, I think it's the somewhere in time formula where it was like, we're going to do a little more proggy. We're going to do more keyboards. And if it's working, don't stop doing it, which is what Steve likes. And you know, Bruce got to rebound a little bit with more contributions. Adrian positively dominates side one and writes some of the best shit on here. Dave continues to not really factor into important songs on albums, but he's great live. And Look, his smiling just, face lights up my heart. Uh, Dave, Dave Murray is not that far removed from Kirk Hammett. You, you love know, saying that, but it's not untrue. What? You love to say that. You said it last week, too, but it's not untrue. It, okay, he's like murder face in Toki. Yeah, you, you know? said that also, and you're. Not I know, I know. Here, I here's going to be my eternal two things for Kurt Hammett that can never be undone. Okay, the fade to black guitar solo. Oh God, yes. And the die by my hand in creeping death that he stole from an Exodus song they never put out. 
Uh, thankfully, he did not. That was his riff in the studio. That was his riff. That's fair. Uh, Kirk Hammett, I love Kirk Hammett, one of my absolute yeah. favorite lead players. He's wonderful. He he's not a songwriter. He was super nice to me when I met him. He was he, he's really not nice a, to me. He he is that guitar player. Like I said, he is the icing on the cake. Without, yeah, yeah. You know, without him, it's not the same. I will stab you if you ever say that about Dave Gilmore again. Anyway, you're in California. I'm in St. Louis. I'm going to stab you through this. I'm going to get a a knock at the door at the new house. Okay, okay, okay. Real quick, just real quick. Just going to say, do momentary lapse of reason, which Dave Gilmore wrote, or Division Bell, which Dave Gilmore wrote, compare to any of the uh, Roger Waters Pink Floyd records? I'm not going to get into this right now. I know you're not. That's why none of Pink Floyd matters without Dave Gilmore's guitar. Rhythm or lead. Anyway, um, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Keefy, okay, okay, Keefy, Keefy, okay. Piper, we cannot of... hijack this. We cannot hijack this podcast. Uh, all I need case. is a yes or no, and we can and we can take the break because I I gotta be. Piper at the gates of dawn does not matter. True or false? Com- compared to the Gale Gale no, 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 no. True or false? It matters. But anyway, all right, we're gonna take a break. And we are back, and just so everyone is clear, Pink Floyd would never be the same without the amazing talents of David Gilmour. I would even argue that The Fat Old Son is an amazing, amazing track. I would just rather have Roger Waters without Dave than Dave without Roger. Keefe, how you doing? I feel the opposite. But anyway. um... And, And that's because it all matters. What does a band mean to you rather than the other person? That is... A hundred percent. We are now just going to discuss the live records. Uh, made in England was actually was Made in England even released as a live album, or just a video? I don't think it would. I don't think it was released in America. It was. It was released in like in nineteen in twenty fourteen after the the Seven Sun Redux tour with with the extended tracks, but I believe it was just a concert video at the time. So we're looking at Iron Maiden having their third concert video of the 80s. That is how big they were. Nobody was doing the things they were doing. They were the Metallica before Metallica. Completely agree. And, you know, I'm made in England. I really, 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 really wish I could get an amazing. Uh, actually, it was released in 1989 on VHS, 1994 on CD, 2013 on DVD and CD. And I wish to God I could get a vinyl copy of this that's not a picture disc. You don't like the picture discs. Picture discs don't sound as good because the, the vinyl is too thin. That is very possible. So your know, um, track listing on this is uh, Moonchild, Evil That Men Do, The Prisoner, which The Prisoner did not make it into the canon. Still Life, great track from uh, Peace of Mind. Die With Your Boots On. Okay, I'll give you that one. Uh, Infinite Dreams, is that somewhere in time? Uh, yes. No, uh, Infinite Dreams is on this album, actually, I think. Is it not? Is it? Is on... Yeah, it's the second track. Here's your mysterious, anonymous second track on... Oh, well, there you... Uh, okay, clearly, I can't even remember we talked about it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Ow. Killers, Can't Play With Madness, Heaven Can Wait, Wasted Years, The Clairvoyant, Seventh Son, Number of the Beast, Hallowed Be Thy Name, Iron Maiden, Run to the Hills, Running Free and Sanctuary. 
And I have to say, that is an amazing track list. That's a great track list. I would love to hear that track list today. Uh, we, we did in 2013. Did you we not did. go to that one? I did. That was the I'd first like time Iron Maiden had been back in St. Louis in 12 years. That's crazy. Yeah, they, they skipped us quite a bit, but we did get, we didn't get Legacy, but we got, uh, we got the Seven Sun Redux and we got Book of Souls. Then they skipped us for Legacy. That is wild. It happens. Um, so they go, they go, they make this live album, they tour. I think after getting the burnout in the mid 80s, they start touring progressively, not less, but just less lengthy. Like they take more breaks, they, take better care of themselves. They got plenty of money. They don't have to tour 300 days a year. I believe, um, uh, I, I believe the seventh sun tour was about half of what somewhere in time was, which was about two thirds of what uh, world slavery was. Cause they were, I mean, they were pushing themselves way too hard. Right. Um, so just for a little more context, right? So this takes us up to like 89. And Bruce Dickinson is uh, somebody from Zamba Music, a former label, reaches out to Bruce about contributing a track to the soundtrack to Nightmare, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. By the way, rest in peace, Wes Craven. Today would be the anniversary of his death. I saw that. And uh, love him and love Freddy. Love the Freddy movies. Um. The Dream Child is not the best Nightmare on Elm Street record by the, uh, movie, by the way, but it's okay. Nightmare on Elm Street stopped being good after the second one. Pretty much. Uh, so It's like Stranger they, Things, man. Why do they stay there? Get the fuck out of that podunk town. Right. Bad shit is happening there. Go somewhere else. Correct. Um, sorry, everyone from Indiana listening to this podcast. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Even your city is a podunk town. Anywho, oh god, come on, Indianapolis. You know what Money I know? Indianapolis. You know what I? Do you know what I know? Indianapolis from what? the opening to um, One Day at a Time, the TV oh. show from the that 70s was an, that was an indie. Yeah. Okay. The uh, opening was, shot is an aerial view of Indianapolis, and it's unremarkable. Do you know what I like about Indianapolis? Well, one they have Yingling. Two, I find myself driving through there to get Yingling. Okay, then. Um, Nick Cameron may be a serial murderer, everyone. So, Zomba Music approaches Dickinson. Hey, would you like to contribute, uh, you know, in a uh, song to this soundtrack? We would like you to have your name on this. We already have the producer, Chris Sangaritas, who's incredible. Then Lizzie, Ozzy, other they uh, Black Sabbath, other things. Uh, many bands, uh, and kind of booked the studio for him. And he put together a band to write this song, which ends up being Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Um, it goes so well in his personal estimation that he wants to do a whole solo album with Chris, with that band. That band includes Panic Panic Bears. Yannick. Panic the Yannick. No, Panic Yannick. And he, uh, Manic Panic Yannick, and he... Oh, Manic Panic Yannick? That's also pretty good. He, he, needs, he needs a Manic Panic now because his hair does not look good. I don't know. He um, had been in a, a very famous, semi-famous, new wave of British heavy metal band, White Spirit. He'd been in 
done stuff with Ian Gillen solo. He's been around. People knew a known quantity. And he has a degree. He does have a college degree. Um, so they write, bring your daughter to the slaughter. And what happens Squiffy. is it's a squiffy song, but people do love it. They love it. And what happens is the song sort of ends up not on Bruce's solo record, even though the single comes out and is a big single from that soundtrack. It ends up going to Maiden to re-record. So are we doing but in the, Millionaire now? We're going to just breeze over it because I think it's important to mention. So the single from the Freddy movie becomes Bruce makes a solo album. I think Bruce had been probably wanting to make a solo album. You know, like some of his music is not getting on Maiden Records like it was when he first came in the band. And you don't have Steve telling you what to do. He's in charge, basically, which he was like, got to be liberating, right? When a guy like Steve is your boss, every little mistake is magnified and amplified. Every little thing is a pain in the ass. Every little songwriting disagreement goes Steve's way because it's Steve's band. True. And so while not great, as we had discussed previously, Tattoo Millionaire is kind of the beginning of Bruce getting ready to leave Iron Maiden. I think the writing was on the wall, no pun intended for the new single, but like, I think it's not a great album, but like in terms of a solo going solo, it's solid. It's not um, awful. It just, it, the best quality material on that album rises to the level of Iron Maiden filler. That's my opinion. Supposedly, Tattoo Millionaire, the song, is a jab at Nikki Six because he slept with Bruce's wife. I don't know how true this can be. Uh, Bruce didn't. It's in the dirt. I read this in the dirt, by the way. Oh, God, I haven't read the dirt in 25 years. No, not that long. Uh, 17 years. I read that when I worked at Spencer's. And, <laughs> I mean, Bruce refused well, to discuss anything yeah. in about personal lives in his book. Yeah, he really made, didn't. Which made his book really bland. I, I assume Nikki is talking about Bruce's ex-wife that just passed, right? Because that's who he was married to for all that time. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, so Tattooed Millionaire, which has Yannick on it, which has a David Bowie cover, uh, Mata Hoople's All the Young Dudes. Again, the covers are not always a good idea. It's not a terrible record. We're not going to do the whole thing, but I think, you know, it's got some interesting stuff. It's got interesting stuff on it. It did have four singles for whatever reason. I Apart don't know why. Yannick on this record, I don't know anybody else on it. Yeah. Um, Fabio Del Rio is a pretty well-known drummer. He'd kind of been in uh, Jagged Edge, the, the UK uh, group. And also you briefly UFO Live and and some other associations, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. He's, uh, it was a Andy Carr was on bass, he was solid. Um, he was well recorded. Sangaritas again, genius guy. Um, I think there's an ACDC cover on here also, which is like, I don't know why. Um, um I have the track list here. Uh, yeah, it's on it's the on B the, side. It's like on the re-release. Yeah, There's a, a lot B, of covers. It's a B side. They did Sin like the, City. The B sides are like Sin City, Winds of Change, Riding with the Angels from Argent, like Spirit Wait, of Winds Joy, of Arthur Brown. Change was already. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, eighty nine. Duh. Sorry. So, I don't. I don't know why someone started telling Bruce like, you know, if you start singing these cover songs, one of them is going to be a hit. 
Uh, it was probably David Lee Roth. Probably. Hey, everybody! Real quick, as David Lee Roth has come up organically, and I mean that, um, he, apparently it, come, it came out this past week that he was offered the opening slot for the Motley Crue tour, the stadium yeah. tour, and his response was, I don't open for bands I influenced. I love David Lee Roth. I don't want to see him on that tour at all. Um, I want to see David that, Lee Roth with the Eat Him and Smile lineup. He's taking a lot of shit right now. I know Gene apologized to him publicly for the dogging of him. Like, listen, man, David Lee Roth was like 30 something when Van Halen made it. He's freaking old. He Look, has a you, breadth and depth of music history a lot of people don't know. If you get and, Gene Simmons to apologize to you, I know. Like, I don't think he's ever apologized to his wife or kids about anything. I'm pretty sure he told Paul Stanley to fuck you when he came back from being in Hollywood and after doing uh, Trick or Treat, uh, that movie with Tom Selleck and everything else he did. I'm pretty sure that Does was... Gene have one good movie, by the way? Can we no. just sidebar? No. Not one good thing he's ever done in a film no. that have wasn't seen a one? kiss movie. Not that I can think of. No, no. He is bad at what he does. He's just bad at what he does, except being Gene and making money. Um, so Tattooed Millionaire happens. And they go Although doing Gene Simmons movies would be fun. Let's put that in the back pocket. Uh, or not. You know, you, know what should, you know what could happen? What could is happen? a Department of Metal Antiquities episode on Kiss Meets the Phantom with you, me, and Duncan. That kind of should happen. Because we on. should make, as we discussed on Facebook, we should just torture poor Duncan and make him watch that shit. Uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom or Attack of the Phantoms? Which is worse, Kiss Meets the Phantom... Or the Star Wars Christmas Day special, the original. I'm never watching Star Wars Christmas special again. Life Day. Never? No? Never. Oh, my. I had, on no. I had the tape. I had the I, tape. Somewhere. I watched it. On, look, uh, my favorite podcast, Tough You Should Know, did an episode on it. And they do it. They re rerun that episode every year. So I watched it three years ago. It's an hour and 30 minutes. It took me three sittings to get through. Oh, anyway, yeah. so moving on. So this album happens in 1990. And then in the middle of writing the next Maiden album, Adrian is like, I don't like where this is going. Not not even and in the middle. The beginning in the in the middle of writing before the recording. Right. Pre he does he does leave. Um, which was a blow. He had been really the second most important. Let's say, beside Bruce and Steve, he's the next most important Iron Maiden member in Agreed. the 80s. Agreed. And um, before and this is this is no prayer for the dying. That before working. we get too deep on that, I want to say one more thing about Bruce's solo record. How many times have we heard the phrase, oh, doing a solo record, sowing his oats, blowing off some steam, coming back home? Lots. And how many times is it that? Never. Never. Okay, it's always ahead. a plan for something else. Correct. Let's but, test this out, and if I like it, I'm going to do it more. Correct. Continue. I have a thing to fall back on. So mm -hmm. there, there, no prayer for the dying era begins. Uh, the album technically comes out a few months after Bruce's solo record. So Adrian presumably quits right around the time Bruce's album comes out, which I think also rankled Steve and rankled some feathers that uh, he did Tessie, a solo album. Tessie Millionaire was May. No prayer was October. Right. So about five months. And so 
Adrian is out. They need a guitar player. Bruce goes, I just worked with this guy who wrote this song and wrote on my album. And we already have one of those songs for this album. His name's going to go on it anyway, because he wrote the rips. Welcome to Panic, Manic, Manic, Panic, Yannick. Yannick. Okay. And okay. Uh, look, look, this is how Yannick Gears gets hang on, it done. Hang on, hang on, hang uh, on. I don't, I don't know how many more times it's going to come up, but Panic Yannick is Yannick Perot. So okay. let's go with Manic Yannick Gers. Manic Yannick Gers. Uh, so that's he also ends up, accurate for his stage portrayals as well. Yeah. He ends up being an Iron Maiden ever since. Forever. 31 years of Forever. the 40-something years of the band. And I he's I, almost the second or third longest serving guy beside Dave and then Steve. Because Bruce was out a long ass time, longer than Bruce was out, longer and, than and, and Manic Manicanic was there. And I love Manicanic as a person. As a human being, but my God, he really is kind of useless. Okay, so now you could coming around to my way of thinking. No, I, I love all, the guy. I've He's always a great guitar that. player. He is a great. Let's just like very few people in heavy metal and rock rock a Stratocaster correctly. So, like, just to talk about the finer things about Yannick for a second before we talk about this album. Um, guy's an incredible player in his heyday which is not now, he was an amazing, like considered like a gifted guitar player. And he has to come in and compliment Dave, which he does beautifully because he plays a lot like Adrian. A lot like Adrian. Maybe Adrian's a little more muscular and bar chordy and stuff, but like his riffing, his ability to play a lick, his showmanship then and a little bit now, which is all he's got now, He's been an integral part of the band. Like, it's great that he came in and stayed. Agreed, agreed. And he did, you know, you may not like Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. It was a mild hit for the band. It was such a good song. The band wanted it for their album, not for Does Bruce's Does anyone solo. like that song? It was, goes over well live. I Does it? Say. I've never heard him play it. <clears throat> it was the second single on the album. I have heard it once. I've seen them on the Fear of the Dark tour. The Brave New World Tour, the uh, Book of Souls Tour, and the Seven Sun Redux Tour. Okay. Which obviously I, is not going to be on that last one. So I, I'm going to, I want to postulate something about Adrian, Yannick, and Dave. And right. maybe just the direction that Maiden was going in as we close out this decade. Um, and we're really not going to do Fear of the Dark, even though we could mention it briefly at the end. But we're really no. not going to do. It. We're already oh, we're already on year eleven of the ten we planned. But this is it, this is just a block of albums that have to go together. I feel like we should. Have, I, the reason why we're doing this, it's my fault. I will I will take that. Um, we're 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 double dipping on this one. But I always feel the I'm nineteen eighty was was a year from the seventies and nineteen ninety is a year from the eighties. Just you know bookends. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're going to and... start without. Without Adrian Smith, and we're going to end. We're going to end without Adrian Smith. Smith. That is absolutely fair. Um, Yannick comes in, and here's the thing. So, like, Smith didn't like the direction they were going. So, without even talking about No Prayer for the Dying, let's just say the direction of the last couple albums where Adrian was asserting himself more than ever before is the synth-driven progressive metal songs that he co-wrote. 
And the now I'm going to say No Prayer for the Dying is a back to basics record, first couple of records, even before Bruce. Yeah, this is definitely a, excuse me. I'm not dying. I'm, I'm sorry. This is definitely a return to pre-Bruce. This is definitely a Paul Diano record. Paul Diano could have come. There's nothing on this record that Paul Diano couldn't have come in and just owned. In a good way. Correct. In a positively great way. How, I so, don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah. So it's interesting that that like Adrian Zangri and leaves. He's no like one of his songs makes it, and I guess they weren't rejecting his other songs that were these. You know, maybe Steve is a guy who has the album in mind before he makes it, which is like, let's go now. We did several far flung fucking albums. Let's just whittle it down to the best maiden, the rocking heavy metal maiden, and bring it back, and people will do. And it's a good idea because it works. It's a good album. This is a pretty good album. You're high. Uh, so no prayer. I mean, it's great. Yeah, most of it's great. No. Uh, other than Bring Your Daughter, which he's technically not credited on here, but it was credited on the Freddie version, which is like some publishing bullshit, I think. Yannick doesn't have a writing credit on this album, but actually you hear him all over it, kind of. Like he's playing on it. So like in the past, early Metallica records, you always go to Metallica, James will just double everything. Dave Mustaine will just double everything. Steve will just probably, Steve probably has played guitar a little on every Iron Maiden record, or we just don't know that he probably played a guide tracks that made it. I'm, I have a feeling. I just have a feeling from the demos to the final album. Some of Steve's guitar work has made it onto a Maiden record. We just haven't known. Um, so I have a feeling like Yannick's played on these, but he's not credited. Bring Your Daughter is totally his song, and he's not given credit on it on the Maiden record. That sucks, but all right, good guy. Um, again, another bunch of garbage covers from the reissues that I don't fucking understand. But uh, it's know, a pretty I, I, damn good record. Again, when it, when it comes to those second discs from Dicks, the second discs from the reissues, I never listened to them. Did you? I did. I did not. Me. Except for... Uh, you don't want to hear Iron Maiden playing Communication Breakdown with Bruce singing? I do. It was horrible. Anyway... Okay, I actually want to hear that. I suffered for this art, <laughs> motherfucker. This is yeah. terrible. I, I, I love Zeppelin se- more than you can imagine. And this is an affront to everyone that loves Led Zeppelin and Iron Maiden. Um, I I'd listen to the second disc of Life After Death because if you, m- one of my things is what I, my favorite live albums are always the ones that are at least lying to me that it's one show. That's very fair. Um, I mean, none of them are, except for Celebration Day, because they only did one. That was it. One, one shot. One shot, one kill. Shall we do the track listing on this album? And then do we see have, if we have time to? Okay, go ahead. go ahead. We kind of have to. It's the last one we're going to do. Right, uh, we'll do I'll, you want to start or I'll start? You start. Okay. Well, hang on. Tail hang on, Gunner. Hang on. We will go every other this time. All right, then. Tail Gunner, Harris Dickinson. A very classic early Maiden sounding song that I like quite a lot. This is the one song from this record that I wonder why it didn't make it into the canon. What we did not discuss before getting into this part of this, the, the album, no song from this record has been played after the tour. I feel like I've seen Holy Smoke, but that could be my first Maiden way back when. According to Wiki, which is God, nothing has been played. All right, then. Carry on. Uh, Holy Smoke, one of my favorite tracks, actually. 
the only Iron Maiden shirt I have at present, because I only have one band shirt at a time, is uh, a Holy Smoke shirt that I got at Hot Topic that was closing at the mall where my daughter's first hockey rink was. Now there's nothing there. That sucks. Good. It's a uh, great song. But Holy Smoke, also, great song, pretty good lyrics for Bruce. Let me also say that's very indicative of the time. We're not far from Black Sabbath's TV Crimes. We are not that far out from Metallica's Leper Messiah. This this is just one of those heavy metal uh, cliches, conventions, whatever you want to say. Everybody had to have the anti-televangelist uh, song. It fit the time. It fit totally the did. time. I, I, Number three. Megadeth unless you have has one else. too. Megadeth has many. Uh, no prayer for the dying. The title track. It's okay. No Another Harris. Just a solid song, not a fantastic song. Just okay. Uh, you take number four. I can't say it with a straight face. Public Enema number one. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty solid. Another similar to Tail Gunner. Straight ahead, heavy metal rocker. Little punk, little metal, little heavy metal. Little, even a little thrash metal, a little riffy, little little well, chuggy chuggy. That's the problem with this album is they're they're trying to fit themselves into a hole they no longer fit into, right? It, and it, then not to mention that this uh, just out of curiosity, so this is October first, nineteen ninety. When did Painkiller come out? Right before it, right? Paint? I don't know. I'm not Judas Priest guy. Oh, I am. Uh, yeah, right before it, September, a month earlier. So like. You couldn't know what Priest was going to do. You could never, nobody heard each other's records back then. But like, Painkiller is enormous and totally fits in with the heavier metal at the time versus Maiden, which was starting to sound kind of old. It dated a little bit, just a little bit. That was the last uh, Rob record, right? It was the last Rob record. Okay. Um, for a while. For a so, bit. for quite a bit. Uh, closing out side one, and naming a band is Fate's Warning. A great song title. Not that great a song. This album is just not, I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, for me, it starts off with Tail Gunner. Amazing song. Should have been in the canon. Uh, then you get Holy Smoke, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I love that song. But let's be realistic. They never should have done it. And then this yeah. album is definitely the be like a uh, the beginning of a subpar run for them. Agreed. After such heights, and and such heights. When again, you know, going back to the album that we did on uh, the DMA, we did X Factor, and X Factor sounded like Steve Harris trying so hard to be Iron Maiden, but it didn't start there. It started well before that tail gunner might have been the first record where it's like okay okay we're iron maiden come on sit down iron maiden come on iron maiden on three one two three iron maiden whoa jablonski um wait pat yeah, jablonski or different jablonski i was doing like the ted but uh, the al bundy jablonski so anyway oh. um so interestingly that close side one with those two back-to-back murray tracks Again, no love for Dave. Sorry, he's great. I love him. Wonderful. 
his writing contributions fall off dramatically after the beginning of the band. Uh, but okay, he's still in the band. Um, <laughs> side two. <laughs> wow. Unlike, unlike wow. Adrian. Side wow. two. Okay. If you want to pick it up. Can you do this one? I'm going to do the next sure. one. Sure. The, the Assassin. <laughs> Again, unremarkable. Heavy. Solid track. Unremarkable. Um, would you like to do? Shall I just do the rest? You seem no, no. I, I want to do "Run Silent, Run Deep." I mean, good title. So after another, it's a book we liked. I, I thought it was "Hunt for Red October." No, I mean, it could be. Submarines were really big at this time. That's true. And I mean, that's and and that's why. Let, let's discuss for a second why there is a battleship. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that again. Why is there a battleship? I love the game Battleship. Why is there a battleship? Horrible. There's a battleship anyway. movie? Oh, you didn't know this? Wow. No. You're lucky. I You've worked retail and customer service for a number of years. I missed a lot of pop culture at this time when yeah. pop culture was terrible. About 15 years ago, Rihanna was like one of the first things she ever did. Maybe 10, 10 plus years ago. Wait, hang on, hang on. Rihanna's Rihanna. In a, the singer. in a battleship movie. Yes, they try to make her Was Kelsey Grammer in it? I don't know. He, he should have been. He was in a movie where he played the captain of a ship and something. Oh, fuck me. Okay, moving anyway, on. Anyway, the one lone Adrian Smith composition on this album for, you know, give it in once he, before he left, Hooks in You. Good song. Not okay. a bad song. Not Adrian. A, there's nothing. Okay, not a, th- this album is, okay, I'm going to. I'm gonna hang on back. I'm gonna bring it back. Yeah, yeah, no, you can let it go. I'm All good. Right. You this, can let it go. It's not a good the album. Worst fucking Iron Maiden record. So far. So far. I mean, and it, maybe it, ever actually. No, 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 mm. no. I still like the Blaze albums. Um, it's, the Blaze albums aren't bad. The Blaze albums. The problem with those is not Blaze. I'm it's fine it's with Steve. Blaze. It's Steve because Steve is like writing love letters to Bruce Dickinson, and then Blaze has got to go. And then Steve Harris goes, You go and see these songs. Just get in the booth and sing them. Sorry. That is my my, my Iron Maiden impersonation. And and I mean no, this is the worst this is definitely the worst Iron Maiden record up to this point. Even the song that's good, that's memorable, Tailgunner does not like Bring Your Daughter. No, the the good one is Tailgunner. No, no, Tailgunner's great, and Holy Smoke is actually also great. Tailgunner should again. Tailgunner should off. be canon, I except for apart from li- uh, a matter of life and death, which I, there's nothing redeeming about that pile of shit. Um, every album I would argue has a song that should be canon, and Tailgunner should be in every set. I love that song. Everything else can go to hell. I don't care. Fair enough. Um, so bring your daughter, not your favorite. People do love it. I don't know why, because it rhymes. It does rhyme. It, it's it rhymes, it's silly. It's it's very 80s. And again, I'm gonna point out that I do believe the first year, the, the zero year of a decade is still the previous decade. We haven't switched over yet. So it's I'm, I'm gonna say what's funny is that like this album, the intent is not bad. We're going to get to the last song, which is horrible in a second. Really horrible. Like, the idea was good. Let's go back to basics. I have no problem with that approach. Great. 
No problem. Bands have done it. that to amazing effect on Death Magnetic. The last couple records have been terrific with that approach. Um, Bring Your Daughter, because it wasn't originally on this record, and it isn't by Harris, and it is by Dickinson and Gares, no matter what the thing says, is kind of like Bruce saying, like, this is what I did and made, and that was great. Here's something like it. This is what people want from me. The histronic, you know, wild cadence, phrasing, choruses, huge chorus, fine, dramatic song. And then a whole bunch of other stuff that's like a Steve Harris thing. I Mother mean, Russia what, is What horrible. is that song? Not Mother Russia. Bring your daughter. It's it's like like uh the, and it was it's like light bright. Did your daughter have a light bright? No, I had a light bright. Did your daughter get to have one? No, she has an iPhone. She has an iPhone. You get a light bright though. I think light brights are still fun. I would like to have one. Oh, fair enough. For those that don't know what a light bright is, I'm gonna mansplain what a light bright is now. A light bright is a white a light box with a black piece of construction paper with some things drawn on it and you plug in <laughs> these colored pegs and the light illuminates the pegs making a picture. Okay, let me let me let me uh sensitive explain this a little bit. A light bright is where you have a box with a light with holes in it and you put a paper on it and that paper makes constellations. That's pretty cool constellations, fair enough. But also if you were giving dance lessons and you put black footprints on the oh, floor God, and tell you exactly go where wrong. to move, no. if you were doing a cross stitch and you had a pattern, where are we doing were, dancing or we're doing cross stitch? I'm just saying. No, you got to paint one. by numbers is Fair. the idea here of, of like this album. It, this whole record is a paint by numbers experience, and it only works twice. Yeah, but they already did it twice. on the first two songs, which is why they're the first two songs, and they know it too. Yeah, yeah. They knew it. Martin Birch knew it. Bruce knew it. He had just done the... Whether you like that album or not, Bruce did his solo record and he liked it. And he liked going on tour and he liked being the boss. And then this album sucks. And then they do another album that's not that good, just a little bit better, but not that good. And Bruce is like, well, fuck this. I'm out. Okay, let's let's real quick... I mean, we're not going to do... Mother Russia is terrible. We don't even have to talk about it. No, fuck Mother Russia. Everything about it, making a song that sounds like Russian music in metal, no. nothing personal, my many Russian friends and fans. This shit not, sucks. No, no. I mean, I mean, let's, let's be realistic. Right now, you and I have disagreed on the, the, the finer points of the quality of every record leading up here. Some we of have, it. I don't know. We've been in agreement on a few things. No, we, we've agreed more than we've disagreed. We just okay, disagreed okay, badly okay, when we okay, did. Okay, Captain Pedantic. <laughs> that's my new nickname. That is that. I'm going to tweet that right now. No, that's my thing. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Sorry. We have mostly agreed and, and somewhat disagreed on the finer points. Like, is this an eight out of 10? Is this a nine out of 10? That's fair. At no point did we ever disagree on the, on the, is you know digital good album bad album here we are i think we can both agree that no prayer for the dying is just fucking terrible pretty bad it's you know this is not that different than kisses hot in the shade it could have totally been a seven inch an iron maiden record could have been a seven inch 
that's unbelievable for the even but but again that being said they had a run before what this i just said amazing. makes sense yeah for real this is a the, band that the, puts out 13 minute tracks in the 80s yeah and this could have been a seven inch and then we move on to oh i oh, uh, will say one other thing the no prayer for the dying album cover is the worst Derek riggs album cover possible you know what i just can't even begin to care uh, apparently, he uh, disliked Rod Smallwood so much that the guy, the grave digger on the cover that the corpse is strangling mm-hmm. is Rod. Yeah, whatever. I don't. Wah, 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 so, wah. okay, real quick, you move on to let's let, let's just you know we might as well just finish out the Bruce yeah. the original Bruce era. We'll do it quick. You know, be quick. They go be on dead. tour. It's their least successful, least lengthy tour ever. By the way, first time I saw them, just for the record. Uh, but you know, real quick, track by track, the quicker be dead, eh. Here to eternity, good. Afraid to shoot strangers, eh. Fear is the key, eh. Childs is in, I don't even know what it is. Wasting love, eh. Fugitive, didn't you already fucking do that show? Um, Chains of Misery, no idea. Apparition, no. Would you just be my guide? I really have no clue. Weekend Warrior, fuck you, drink every day. And Fear of the Dark, which is not that bad. So the best we have is not that bad. The 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 start and the end are good. Yannick writes one, two, three, four, five. Five of these songs are written co-written by Yannick and Bruce. Oh my god, you were so, right. Yeah, Yann- manic Yannick sucks. Yannick, no. Well, I mean, not, <laughs> no. he doesn't suck because of this. We're going to talk about why he's sucking now. He does replace Adrian, basically writing. Well, he, as he Bruce's replaces partner. an integral member of the band. Dave writes a little more on this record. Steve seems to write less on this record than ever before, which is mind-blowing. No wonder it's not good. Um, <sighs> there are no long songs except Fear of the Dark, which is a great song, still played live. As That's the one canon. That's it. Uh, Quickly Be Dead is not horrible. It's, it's just not that good. Look, it starts strong and it finishes strong. Unlike pancakes, halfway through, you're all sick of them. Mitch Hedberg, yeah, R.I.P. So, I mean, you know, why it, do you think this precipitous fall off happens? The, the just fall off just happened, ran out of good ideas. Um, no, I mean yes, but the the fall off happened because they just never stopped. Okay, as we've discussed at least nineteen times, they did an album and world tour almost every year. Mm. Why? Which no one has ever done. Right. Before or since. Why would you do that? Why would you push so hard? I mean, think about if they had taken the, you know, the normal two year, two year term. You have, you have Iron Maiden in 80, Killers 82, Number of the Beast 84, Peace of Mind 86. We're at like 1998 before the drop off starts. If they had Five done after a reasonable death. pace, a reasonable pace. Yeah. I, I think they just they pushed too hard and every every I don't you know in, in, in the movie The Doors and I think I mentioned this to someone, I don't remember who the hell it was, so I'm sorry. But in the movie The Doors and one of the last scenes, the 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 character as Robbie Krieger says, I think I have a few blues albums left in me. And I never understood that until I started trying to write music and I, I mean I get that now and I think that's what it was was you know nobody could ever tell Steve nobody could ever tell Martin 
dude, we need to we we need to take we need to take a year. There's no we we just went quintuple platinum on our last five records in a row. You know what the problem is also is the success is a big fucking barometer. So like Priest, who I love, and for a long time I loved more than Maiden and still kind of love Priest a little bit more than Maiden just because of my childhood. It, the impact that Priest made on me before I ever heard one Iron Maiden song is humongous, right? So I love Judas Priest a lot more than most people do. And they Fair. made like a good record and a bad record and a good record and a bad record and a good record and a bad record. Rinse, repeat over and over. And they knew it, by the way. They would, the KK's book is all like, oh, we fucked off this whole record. Then the next record, we would get sober and write most of it straight and record most of it straight and then fuck off at the end, which is why the ending of every record is bad. Like they knew. And these guys set the fucking bar impossibly high. Only Metallica can come close and you can make an argument they, you know. I I love Metallica more than Maiden. And Maiden has not artistically come close to what Maiden did. Commercially, my so, God, yes. So, yeah, just like, yeah, it's it's interesting what happened. Now, I'm just going to, before we just sum up the Maiden decade of the 80s with this little annex of the 90s we just did. If you have not seen Iron Maiden live in the last 10 years, maybe more, I love Yannick Garris. I love the guy. He's wonderful. <laughs> However, watch him closely. YouTube no. Yannick Gears guitar Hard live. He is not actually playing an instrument that has turned on and that he's playing. If you're watching him, he's fucking goofing off on his corner of the stage. He kind of became what everyone said, which is like when Maiden came back with Bruce and kept Yannick and Adrian, they're like, well, we got three guitar players now because three is more than two. These go to 11 because Iron Maiden, if nothing else, is a fucking caricature of themselves, always, which is they what always they do. have been. Eddie is a caricature of Iron Maiden. It's silly. Everything they do. But everything they do is like literally a joke about themselves. Agreed. And if you understand that, it's okay because they're great at what they do. And I love them and I love Bionic. But the reality is he's a fucking buffoon. He's not yes, he playing guitar on any song. He's not playing a solo in. He's fucking around. His guitar pick never touches the strings. His shit is turned off. I have stood in front of him for a whole show and listened through the speaker and heard Dave and Adrian Split in stereo. Wait, hang on, hang on, you, hang on, hang on. You heard Dave and Confused while he was playing? I heard Dave and Adrian. Dave and Confused. Dave, and you are not as drunk as this. David <laughs> and Adrian's guitars are coming through the PA, not Yonix, because Yonix is doing whatever the fuck he's doing, goofing off with the fucking guitar. And then when it's time for him to play a solo, you hear like the volume go on. Somebody else stepped okay. on a volume let's, pedal, let's, let's and then be... he's holding it correctly and does a solo, and then back to fucking goofing off. Let's be honest for a minute. Do you need Yannick's rhythm playing? No, there but go. then you don't need him on. You don't need him there at all. He's just a body for show, I which res- is sad. I respect Iron Maiden's loyalty to Yannick. It's like, look, you were with. Why us is he the still sh- in the band? 
you were with us through the shit times when it was all balls. I respect uh, Tommy Thayer doing a fair forgery of Ace Freely, but he's playing fucking the songs. He's playing guitar. Wow. The only Whoa. typed in, except Let's... for some backing vocals that are very badly recorded and some piano offstage by somebody, Kiss is playing their show for no, the most not. part. That is somewhat. Paul is is piped in. It's not, well, he can't sing. So, like, of course he is. But, like, there's no need for this guy to be there. Okay, agreed. Like, there's no need for Yannick now. But when I saw him in Ot 1 and I heard those triple guitar harmonies, I don't think they don't them. That they don't, don't do anymore. There's a very famous. I'm going to say this. There's a. This is happening. This happens. There's many older bands are not really playing what you think they are. I did see Deep Purple from about ten rows back, and they seem to be actually playing, uh, including Ian, who refused to have backing vocals and doubling. He's just seriously trying to sing, which is admirable considering he's like a seventy-five. But um, there's a very famous guitarist still playing in a very famous band right now. He's a legacy metal artist sign language it to me and he for many years had some illness problems that were not discussed publicly and he really couldn't play guitar and i'm gonna tell you the guitar was off and he mimicked pretended to play the strings and the other guy in the band covered them the whole set he played so he overplayed so much the rest of the band overplayed so much, you didn't really notice that this guy's not really playing that much. Was he a leader rhythm? He is the rhythm guitar player and front so man it, of a semi famous band. I'm going to say who? Is on it air. Paul Stanley? It is not Paul Stanley. It is Paul a metal, Stanley. modern metal era. Okay, 25, 30 Paul years Stanley ago. barely plays guitar. I am aware. Okay. I'm aware. And that's fine. And Paul, by the way, is one of the greatest rhythm guitar players and songwriters in history. And if he's fucking 70 and he can't play anymore, he can't sing anymore, and they're just trying to play out the fucking string, I will pay to be amused and fooled on purpose because I love Kiss and I was in the Kiss Army at five and I want that experience one more time. But this is a guy people count on as one of the greatest guitar players ever as a rhythm guitarist in metal. And he couldn't play for a while. Like six or seven years, I'm going to cast an aspersion without naming names. This guy could not play. If you think you know who it is, drop it when we tweet this. But it, you don't know who it is. I'm not going to say who it is. It's unfair. That person is now back to their full capacity capabilities, whatever the illness issues were. They are now playing better than ever, in my personal estimation, almost better than ever. Um, but, you know, look, nobody is who they were when they were 30, 30, 40 years ago. Nobody. But, like, Yannick doesn't need to be there. He's there as a prop, and it's sad to me. That's not the main problem with Iron Maiden these days, but it's one of them. Especially for a band that prides themselves on technicality and live and all this shit. I don't, I don't need a prop guitar player in the greatest metal band in the world, arguably. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say they probably are the greatest metal band of all time. That's fair. Because I think, as we discussed with, with Metallica before, and I'm sorry, I'm going back to Metallica. But I don't think Metallica is a metal band anymore because I don't think you can be a metal band and play stadiums by yourself. All right. um, yeah. I, I would also say, what if you could only take the Sabbath albums with Ozzy that are good and 13 and just the few deal records that are great? Then, well, then, Black Sabbath is, then Black Sabbath is completely metal, but then you would have to get rid of 70% uh, of their catalog. But that's besides the point. Um 
Black Sabbath, it's it's not fair. And let, let's transition a little bit to to the future. Black Sabbath is a band that had many faces because, like hip hop in 1983, nobody in Middle America knew if metal was a fad or a revolution. Hmm. All right. That is very fair. Um. Yeah. Um. Also, for the end point on uh, "Fear of the Dark," it was the first album cover not done by Riggs, and then that was a. Uh, it was terrible. Too. Melvin Grant, who went on to do like all the next bunch of records until, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of records. Even more of the recent Bruce ones and Benjamin Breeg. Yuck. Um, it was matter of life and death. Benjamin Breeg was a single. I know, no, but I'm just talking about the artwork for the single. Um, no, yes, I, I know it's crap. So that album was terrible. So, so that just album was worse than Fear of the Dark. Yeah, worse well, than No worse. Prayer. So, so two clunkers at the end, and then Bruce leaves, comes back, whatever late years later, ten years later, not eight, eight years later, nine years later. We're not going to cover that era. I'm going to skip it. Thankfully, um, God. but that '80s, that first two with Diano and that first five, six with Bruce, including the live one, are untouchable. And people had to hear us piss around superlatives and praise, but like we don't do it lightly. We don't do it with everybody. They really deserve it. That's the reason we chose this. Is the reason they're number two on this kind of countdown of podcasts, if you will. It was reverse Casey Kasem. Basically it's 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 who was the who was metal in the eighties. And that was <clears throat> Iron Fucking Maiden. Just like Metallica was metal in the nineties, Iron Maiden was metal in the eighties. So I guess we're going backwards. We're gonna go backwards one more decade to the pa- the grandpappies, granddaddies of them all, and we're gonna do four really good records and a couple of squiffy bad ones. Oh, from you know the I, great and mighty. I I, I, I will I will wait till next week to uh, unleash my fury. Oh, it's not gonna be much unleashing on those first couple. They're pretty quick. Oh God, no, those are amazing. But anyway, what else do we have to say on Iron Maiden? Before I we think that's blowing? about it. Uh, as always, we, it's been a go ahead. Sorry. Nope. Go ahead, sir. I was gonna say we've, uh, as this is the first Iron Maiden episode where we did five albums, four. I don't. Know. I mean, we didn't really do those. We didn't really do Bruce. We just meant. I think like sometimes for color, we have to mention in these things. Um. But yeah, like oh, we yeah, didn't really 90- do the last two. We didn't really do Bruce. We did like three, we're and we really could have just did two. Ninety minutes. Yeah. That's, All right. That's good. So, you got anything else? I got nothing, sir. All right. Catch us next week. This is the Glacier Musical Podcast. It might play in Peoria, but I doubt it.